0: Welcome to the Uncharted 80s podcast. Um, This is a podcast that's going to take you on a journey back in time to explore the hidden gems of the 1980s music scene. Join us as we dive deep into a world of what we consider to be our obscure 80s bands that often flew under the radar, but left a lasting impact on the music landscape. Um, Get ready for some unforgotten melodies, maybe some untold stories, some musical treasures uh, that we believe deserve the spotlight. Whether you're an 80s muso aficionado or just curious about those uncharted territories of the decade, you're in hopefully for an adventure like no other. I want you to rewind the cassette tapes, embark on a nostalgic voyage throughout what we're considering to be the uncharted 80s. Now, I'm here with my uh, good buddy, Noel. My name's Martin. and uh, Noel, who I've known for over 30 years, who knows a lot about music, has been in and out of uh, around the music scenes and been to loads and loads of gigs, as we both have. Um, and we just felt it's time that we want to bring these bands back into the spotlight. Now, just to be clear, uh, we do research the show from a variety of sources, um, but if you have any feedback on whether we need correcting or just want some additional information, that's fine. You can contact us via uh, podcast at uncharted80s.com. Um, we also have a Facebook group, uh, as well. Um, and if there's any songs, um, we'll put those links, um, in the show notes um, afterwards. So the plan is that we'll bring a couple of bands to each podcast. Um, and uh, today we've got a couple of bands um, that we'd like to... Uh, we're going to have a chat about, um, uh, one that Noel knows very well uh, and one that I've got a bit more information on as well. So, um, so Noel, um, have you heard of a band called Screen 3? I have indeed. So I think they were a Norwich band. They were a Norwich band. Um, and uh, that that scene, that Norwich scene, I always felt was perhaps a bit underplayed back in the eighties. Cause there was, um, I think there was a few, there was quite a lot of bands in that, that scene. Uh, Farmers boys, um, you know, screen three. Higson's. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of others. Um, and obviously and I, uh,
1: Charlie Higson then went on to be in the far show as well. Do you remember? I do. Wish Tony is a classic. And uh and then became a serious actor in Broadchurch. Actually, I'm going on to the Higsons now, but, you know, I thought I'd mention Charlie. Give him a shout.
0: Well, I think it's a great shout. I think the Higsons may be one uh, band. I don't, I'm not familiar with all of their work, but they're a band that we can perhaps look at at some point um, in the future. Because, of course, he also, Charlie Higsons, now started writing, I think he wrote Junior Bond, and he's, bit, he's he's now written a formal James Bond book as well. That was released oh, wow. there, about a month or two ago. Um, wow. So, yeah, he's, um, Interesting. So, yeah, so we've got, got some things there but but screen three um well you know they didn't really have that many um that many singles only had three or four singles out um but um let's just cover a few factual points about who, who they were first. Um just just for so, so we can know. But basically they the lineup they formed in nineteen eighty consisted of a guy called Neil Dyer on guitar and vocals, Richard Kett on bass, and Brett Cooper on drums. They were then um augmented by a couple of trumpet players, Peter T j and Jason Votier. But they were that was later in later in nineteen eighty one. So they started off as a threesome, yeah? They did. And interestingly enough, um they actually started um from uh, a band called The Question, um, oh. which I thought was sort of quite similar to another band around that yeah, era. The Questions. Yeah. The Questions, yeah, on that as um, um, Respond label. Um, but, uh, yeah, The Questions. So that was – they actually did perform um, only once, mind you, on a telly. Um, oh, really? 1980, yeah, 7th of May. Um, and um, they then obviously they were they were clearly they were evolving, but they went in then went into a uh, a situation where they, they changed their name to the Mexican bombers, um, which I thought was um, a rather intriguing name. I'm not sure it would work today. Well, but um, it sounds like they just had yeah. a really big, uh, really hot, uh, hot chili anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One <laughs> of their time, maybe. Yeah. Um, but um, they 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 did that, and then they morphed into um, morphed into into Screen Three. As I say, they didn't have they didn't never made an album, um, and that's why. Oh, really? Never never made an album. They were around ma- for quite a while, weren't they? Yeah, never made that. Yeah, I mean they did about um, you know they're about around for about three or four years, but they made just made some singles. But the first one, I guess, is the most interesting because that was the that was on like an independent label called Romans in Britain. Um, and I'd like to um, I'd like to own up now that when when it when I first I thought I got it in in 1981, and I thought Romans in Britain was the title of the EP that it was. I think that's the record for label, isn't it? For, year, for years, <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah. EP. <laughs> but yes it's the record label yeah um and that was new blood and um european journey um i don't know if you you've heard those two songs
1: yeah i've i've heard them i really like european journey i think it's a great song In fact i heard it i heard a version when it was the three piece that played it originally and it sounded great then and when the horn section joined it, it got even better so yeah it's a great great song yeah what, i, what mean, that they played I mean
0: once again i found all of their songs just fantastic i've I, I loved them but um you know they there's there's i guess the one that probably made the the biggest impact was after they signed for. Um, Epic. So they obviously the Romans in Britain was like an independent label. They then signed for Epic Um uh, Records and and released this uh, couple of singles, Hearts in Limbo, um, which actually is still a great song to this day. Um, and then Come Into My Jungle, which was probably the one that I think got to the most sort of um, I'm hesitant to call it airplay, but probably got a bit more profile than than some of the other the other singles. And it had How a I I know about the uh, the hearts in
1: limbo because I think that's the one where they had the record producer that they didn't uh, appreciate, shall we say, <laughs> for want of a better word, <laughs> didn't like. Um, I think they recorded it in Rockfield, where they, where Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded, actually. And uh, the guy had done something. Was it bad manners?
0: Yeah, bad manners. That's right. Roger yeah. Mass's name. They yeah. actually, I, I heard that interview. Um, they interviewed uh, Screen Three about that. And they just, I think that maybe it was just one of those ones where the producers just didn't quite click with the, um, you know, with the band. Um, but, but that guy went on to do, he did, as you say, Bad Manners. He also did Selector and a number, you know, on their Two-Tone label. Yeah. And Rockfield was like one of those there is a documentary actually of Rockfield Studios is on, there? Oh, yeah, right. on I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it, it was on one of the sort of sky channels. But um for ages it was called like Dave Edmonds' studio. Um I'm a big fan of Dave Edmonds, as yeah, you know, great, great but, but actually he was he did a lot of his work there at, at Rockfield, so um quite quite an iconic studio, I think. It is, isn't it? I think it's a farmhouse actually near Monmouth. Yes, right. yeah. Oh, they used yeah, to live I there.
1: Think they did yeah they did stuff like I think Oasis did definitely maybe there Ooh. maybe I, I could be wrong <laughs> definitely. No, I think I'll they definitely, did maybe <laughs>
0: hey <laughs> yeah. See what, see what you did there <laughs> yeah um yeah no I think they um I think I think they did, but that coming to my jungle was like the next one and they also had a, a a a pretty um sort of famous producer Steve a guy called Steve Brown and he went on to do Wham and the second cult album. that they were going to break in you know they were going to break into things you know because my knowledge, my yeah. knowledge of them comes from I saw them live um they supported the truth uh with another band that we might look at at some point in our obscure 80s uh, uh list but um not that I think that they're obscure uh but the they supported the truth at Elsby Friars um in October 83 uh, um and I was blown away. So um, I sort of then started to really take notice of them. Um, and I've sort of kept kept up with it ever since.
1: So that's, they had the horn section at that point then, obviously, in 83. They did. So uh, cool. Yeah. yeah, some of the stuff sounds quite... Um... I don't want to use the word funky. That's a little bit too too dancey. But that's got a good sort of soul vibe to it, hasn't it? With the, with the
0: uh, with the horns on it. Well, I don't. Want, yeah, I don't want to keep dropping names in. But we um boing. What was that? A name drop. <laughs> um. But one of the other bands that we I know that we both love is TV Twenty One, and we may well um feature them at some point as well. But they had that the trumpet and that sort of trumpet um adding to a band. I thought was always you know fantastic. Um, totally agreed. Totally agreed. I
1: think the uh, coming to my jungle, again talking about the sort of funkiness, that reminded me just a hint of Joe Boxers actually.
0: You know what? The reason I thought they were going to make it is because they actually did a couple of, um, B- they did two or three BBC sessions. Obviously, you've got the Peel sessions um, that they did, uh, and people can find that on uh, on YouTube. Um, and and Peel seemed to love them. Um, you know, as a as a DJ you know he, if you listen to some of the asides he makes between the 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 songs on the session because it's still on that um recording um you could tell that he was really keen well, on I'll the
1: sh- uh, on the first keen keen set um appeal session sorry uh they had a, they played a tune which i really like it's one of my favorites by screen three called red dust <laughs>
0: The session as well didn't they I think they did they did a kid Jensen session um and uh which quite frankly feels like it's like the Holy Grail um though no, I I can't find it anywhere um I've made contact with Neil um to try and hopefully see if we can get track it down um uh, and if we do then great and if we can get actually you know contact um and he, he comes back to us we'll have we'll try and have a chat with him because I think he's got Probably got loads of stories to tell us um but yes definitely uh, definitely something um sounds so again, good the kid Jensen session is the um is the is the thing we wanna track down, and then lastly um I guess they they sort of sort of fizzled out um they did come back uh, as a lot of bands often do, they did try and come back in um did a bit of a reunion in 1990. I, I I missed this completely. So, um, and it it did include Neil Dyer, but um, the um the guy that had played the uh, trumpet, I think it was um, yeah, one of the trumpet players, yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah that's it, Jason Vertier. He went on to uh, actually play keyboards. Um, and doesn't sound like it. Um, it, it sort of got anywhere. Um, but I'd love to know why not. They did play some new material. Uh, they did do a couple of demos, apparently. So um, once again, don't know where they are in the midst no, of time. But...
1: I think it was the original three guys plus uh, Jason on keyboards. But that would have been interesting if we could find that. And then the other another amazing fact
0: <laughs> that I could find is that the guy that played trumpet, <laughs> um, uh, Jason Votier, um, that uh, played, actually played with, another favorite of mine which was the stranglers um and actually was on their live album all live and all of the night so um you know that interesting was interesting stuff but
1: uh, actually talking about talking about the the band members doing stuff afterwards i um i found out have you found something <laughs> oh brilliant yeah that's uh on the sec- after the peel for, for the second peel session uh, a guy who played trombone joined actually called um steve Osborne, and he then played the later gigs with them before in the original format until 84 and um, he then went on to be a record producer and mixer and he's done loads of stuff and he originally partnered with um paul oakenfold in perfecto records which you know oh, is yeah. a massive name yeah yeah he's yeah. now his own he's done loads of stuff himself including u2 new order and loads of albums, like the first Star Sailor album, which I really love. He produced and mixed, for example.
0: All right. Um, okay. So, um, so Screen Three, uh, check them out. Um, we'll um, we'll see if we can put some links um, uh, to some of their songs in the um, show notes. But genuinely, um, a completely obscure band that um, should really see the light of day. Um, and I would love to see them be resurrected at some point. But um, Yeah, they yeah, um I mean you know.
1: considering they they like supported loads of big people, you know. They supported Elvis Costello, Madness, Aztec Camera, loads of bands.
0: Yeah, uh, explodes.
1: yeah teardrop of course. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah. you know, they had a, quite a bit of coverage and inside oh, no. to Epic, it's a real shame that, uh, that 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 journey ended with them, you know
0: i know i know they did yeah. um they did release a lot, one last single on epic but um a, like a 12 inch single city of souls um and then amazingly enough they gave away they with the the money that they had from epic actually they they then created a song called the visitor and gave it away um at their last concert so um well wow. you know well wow. um yeah they, they used to do that a lot didn't they in the uh, back in the day give away Stuff at gigs and things, but it does doesn't seem to happen these days.
1: No. I talking about gigs actually, one last thing that um uh they John Peel DJ'd at one of their gigs. He never sh so they had a, a screen free gig and it was the week after the John Peel second session in October, um October eighty three, and uh John Peel DJ'd at the gig before they played and uh Kid Jensen went to the gig as well. Oh no, did he? Yeah you should have gone to that one mate.
0: Oh god <laughs> I could have got the session. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right no worries yeah. thank you. Um so yeah. if anybody wants to see the they are on Spotify now there's a there's two or three things, a couple of live albums um one particular great album called Live 1982 um with a fantastic tra- track called Family I point you in that direction for sure. Um but the um but you can um you can listen to them and and, and let us know what you think. Um uh, as I say on the um uh, either on the email or on, on Facebook podcast at uncharted eighties dot com um so uh noel who have you brought to the table um alongside screen three for us?
1: Uh, The greatest band who never got to be the biggest band in the world, I think, Uh, the Faith Brothers. Oh, that's a
0: bit of an intro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were fantastic. For me, they were just great. And like you were just saying, a band with a horn section on it always seemed to lift it completely, you know, take it to a different dimension. That's exactly what happened with the Faith Brothers. They had the the horn section on there as well. Who were um, they? they? So they were from Fulham in uh, in London, obviously. And... um, they were a sort of a socialist band, really, but not socialist as in uh, shouting show- slogans, but more subtly in terms of the lyrics. Uh, they the, the the main guys, the two frontmen, if you like, who got the photos taken a lot, were Billy Franks on guitar and vocals, and Lee Hirons on bass. But the band itself consisted of a number of other guys. That was Steve Howlett on drums, Henry Trussis on keyboards. He was a great little keyboard player. Uh, Will Tipper on trumpet and Mark Waterman, (laughs) Mark Waterman on sax. (laughs) Um, And also, actually, uh, Mark Hirons joined in 85 for the first album onwards, um, but he wasn't on the original early gigs and things that I originally saw. Um, Although he had originally played in the band with Billy and Lee before the Faith Brothers. So, yeah. How
0: did you find? How did you find them then? How did you discover them? Because they they probably weren't. Um, once again, they weren't a band that were well known. No, it's really interesting. The, the
1: two memories that I have of kind of discovering them the the first was it wasn't a discovery that made me go out and want to buy anything. Was, I read an article or review in Jamming Magazine. Remember Jamming Magazine? Mm. And. Um, yeah, the, the, He started as a fanzine by Tony Fletcher as a kid, and he turned into a, a, a full-fledged magazine, which
0: is great. What, what happened to all those fanzines? There was tons of them around, there? were like? loads, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kids used to do later. my photocopies and stuff. They didn't yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. tell them at gigs. Yeah, uh, Extraordinary no, Sensations started... was one that I remember. But... Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. I think the, uh,
1: the punk one was called Sniffing Glue, I think. That was one of those oh, yeah. punk fanzines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so it turned into a full-monthly full magazine, and that's a review of their self-pressed single called the tradesman's entrance and it gave it a really glowing review and at that point i'd never heard of them i just lodged it in the back of my mind oh these sound like an interesting band to look out for and that was that hmm. and then sometime later um uh, do you remember the tube on a friday evening with, i do uh, very well jules holland is it and yeah, yeah uh, and paulie yates 40 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. paulie the wilcox then what, what am i on yeah <laughs> um, that's man about the house mate <laughs> that's it yeah see, i'm going back going back, to, back to my roots. Um, so um, yeah, so uh, the the tube played a video of their first single, "Country of the Blind," and it was great. Um, they were they were sort of lined up playing with Red Harrington jackets on, and I think the tube had recorded their own video for the show. Right. Uh, I suspect because the, the the proper video didn't really give the band enough justice for the for the for the song that it was. Personally, that's my view anyway.
0: That sounds good. And, and you saw them loads of times, I think, didn't you? Well, I'd yeah. say, but I don't know what definition of loads is, but, you know. I,
1: I don't know, maybe lot. 15 times or something. I don't know. Um, but, the it's, you know, I look back at it now. I bought the, I bought the, uh, the first time I actually saw them live, they supported the Alarm, Birmingham Modian, mm. So it was the Alarm and, and the Faith Brothers, to me, two fantastic bands on the same mm, What bill. a
0: double bill, that is.
1: Yeah, absolutely loved it. And I saw the Faith Brothers were doing their own gigs in the marquee, in London, the old marquee, before it moved. Um, and uh, I i took myself down there. Can you believe I didn't take anyone with me? I went on my own. That's okay. Northampton on a midnight, on a, okay. on a midweek train. Yeah, I know. It's just funny, though. Going all that way into London, watching the band, getting the train back, getting home after midnight uh, on a school night. That's on uh, a work night, really. Uh, I did that twice actually at the
0: marquee. So um, yeah. I think I think there's something there, Noel, about you know, is it acceptable to go to gigs on your own? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it is right. Because <laughs> but it's one of those things that often you don't do. People like to have a shared experience, don't they? But uh, maybe that's a topic. But I, I genuinely think there's something about um, it's it's actually all right.
1: I, I do as well. You know, yeah. um, I um, I actually just an aside here. I worked in Dublin for a while. I was on my own in Dublin. And uh, I was what can I do myself on my own? I was there for quite a long time. And there's, there's three things I discovered I could do on my own, no problem. One was going to watch football. That's not a problem. You go to a football match, no problem. Yeah. One was go to the cinema. You don't yeah. need to talk to anyone anyway, no. anyway. And then the third is go to gigs.
0: And all those things you can do on your own, no problem. Would you say, so like we talked about with Screen 3, they supported a few bands. What, Obviously, Faith Brothers support the Alarm thing, but they must have done other bigger bands, maybe towards the around that yeah, time. Yeah, I
1: mean, they supported the Boomtown Rats and the Alarm, obviously, and REM as well. So uh, it's really funny, actually, because we went to see them. A group of guys that I work with went to see them at our, the REM gig in Birmingham. Again, we lived in Northampton, so it was a bit of a drive. But we we watched the Faith Brothers, and we went in the bar and didn't bother watching REM. I'm like, oh that song sounds familiar. uh <laughs> that this one goes out to the one I love. Yeah, I <laughs> might have heard that, but didn't bother watching them. Yeah, and I was going to say to so the, the biggest gig that they they played, and the one that I I went to see them at, uh, was a, a U two gig, and they played a an outdoor gig at Milton Keynes Bowl called the Longest Day. Um, right. That was uh, that was basically the longest day of the year, Midsummer's Night, and it had a great lineup. It started with the Faith Brothers. And before u two came on, there was also Spear of Destiny, Billy Bragg, The Ramones, and REM. Whoa. Before u two came on, what, yeah, great, what a line-up. The lineup! Fantastic. Yes, yeah, so that's that's the biggest thing I saw. The matter great. And
0: what that's about good. records? What did they have? Because obviously, Screen Three we talked about didn't have any. Um, uh, didn't have any albums. Did, what, 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 what about the Face Brothers? Did they manage to get get?
1: Yeah, them they uh, they had a couple of albums out. The first album was called um, Even Tide. Uh, well, uh, even titled "Hymn for Change," it was actually officially called, and they had a later album after that called uh, "A Human Sound." Um, the, the The early, the early stuff, really, in terms of records, "The Country of the Blind," which was that video I mentioned, yes. was the first single, really great single, loads of horns on it, really good. Um, they'd been signed to uh, a sub-brand of Virgin Records called Siren Records, uh, and there was other other bands on there, including the Cutting Crew. It's immaterial, and, and the, the, the big money earner, I guess, would have been Tapal. China oh, in
0: my hand. Another yeah. name drop coming. It's immaterial. I think they might be a band that we look at at some point as yep, well.
1: Sounds good. Sorry sounds about good.
0: That. <laughs> I have to have a klaxon that goes off every time we mention
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, a couple of albums, a couple of. They had another single called A Strange One Home Ground, another great song. Um, and both of those two singles actually didn't appear on the album, which I think was a bit of a, a pity because I know it's cool not to put all your singles on an album, but for anyone who anybody who just bought the album would have missed out on those two songs, I think you know, they were very, very good.
0: Also, they were did they chart those songs or not?
1: Uh, I don't have the any chart positions, I'm not sure if they they probably went in the lower, lower reaches, Lower, right?
0: lower reaches maybe. Yeah,
1: I don't remember them being number
0: one. No, <laughs> I do um, remember, a, um one of the tracks on that Stranger on Home Ground Uh, Fulham Court is that oh what
1: a song what a song again that would have been great on the album that's for me that's one of the very best songs so they've got loads of great songs but that was just really awesome
2: It's refutation.
1: first appeared actually they did um before they were the faith brothers there was yeah. a band called the legendary Luton kippers and snappy. they had a self-pressed ep snappy yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, but they had some fantastic four great songs which are pretty much pretty pre-faith brothers stuff really right it included um fulham court as well so you know they had well actually the Fulham court ep and um yeah it was really really good
0: why did they, they were, put those songs on those albums then no
1: idea I mean, I managed to get a German copy of the album. It did have the first two singles on it, but that's not sort of around everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's a pro- proper fan, that is, going, oh, to, yeah, yeah, going yeah. to Europe to get the... Um, sad get but them. true. <laughs> I think the Frenchman had it on as well, but yeah, sad but true. Another classic song was Easter Parade. I mean, that was an absolutely stunning song.
0: wasn't there a couple of versions of eventide i think didn't they do like a a rocked up version of it or because on there was like a piano version i think and a yeah on, there, were th-
1: there were three there were three versions think of something actually. else okay no there were three versions eventide came out as a single actually um and was uh a kind of uh, like a like an acoustic with almost like a church organ background to it quite quite a good song very good song don't get me quite a brilliant song yeah um, and on the, the the back on the country of the blind when that was released on the 12 inch single on the b side they have an even even tied recital which was kind of like a like a trumpet or uh, like a horn playing in the background on it so it's quite quite a Cut down version of it.
0: Oh, yeah, strip back. But the one
1: that I personally loved, strip back, good words. Yeah. The one I personally loved the most was on the double single for The Country of the Blind, was the full band version of Side. Uh, that's probably controversial amongst Faith Brothers fans,
0: but that was my favourite version of it. Well, I don't think that's controversial. You're, what? Well, it's it, your opinion. Yeah. So what happened after the, that album then? Because obviously that they must have been getting a bit of momentum, I would have thought, maybe.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they were getting, like, they were getting, um, there was momentum. There was radio play, you know, they had the videos out for it. These All these bands that they supported, you know, they should have really gone a lot further than that. That just didn't seem to happen. Right. And, I don't know why that is. I really don't know. The the um the second album, the human sound, um, was produced by Steve Lillywhite. So I mean they put you know, put a bit of money into the you know, the production on that.
0: Wow. Uh, the record company did. So And why did why didn't they, you know, why didn't that break through then? that was that marketing do you think, or was that just they'd run their course? What was the you know Do you know
1: what? I genuinely don't know. I mean they had a great song on that called um, Consider Me.
2: Consider me more to celebrate than did he cry more to love than to deny consider me equally different consider
1: me beautifully cry and that was played on the radio one quite a lot uh, It just just never seemed to spark you know just didn't didn't spark off didn't kick off
0: Right. Uh, I mean it so does happen it. if we know. Oh does. And, yeah. we did, and let's face it, Noel, if he didn't, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. So that's true. So there you have it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that was um the second album. Um so did they finish after that or did they keep Yeah, they didn't stay they didn't stay for much longer what? after that.
1: No, they didn't stay for much longer. The um after the band itself finished, the lead singer Billy Billy Franks, uh, went on as a solo artist, did a lot of good stuff, actually. Obviously, you and I have been to see him a few times, Martin.
0: I remember it very well. Fulham Greyhound
1: being a particular highlight. Yes. <laughs> he had some great stuff. And um, he had a very loyal fan base as well. And, um, yeah, so Billy just just went on and uh, did his own thing. He had some great stuff out, self-pressed CDs and stuff. Um, and he had uh, he wrote a book called A Far Cry From The Sunset, which is a great read, really very interesting. And he had a film called Tribute This as well, which was worth a little watch if you got a a quiet couple of hours to have a look at it. A film that uh, was made about Billy. Um, uh, it's a sort of doc. It is a documentary about his. He was always quite frustrated. He was a great songwriter, and he always felt that um, his work wasn't really being widely widely appreciated enough, and he rightly so, actually. Um, and he wanted the he had the concept of getting uh, a, a sort of a bigger artist to 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 play one of his songs as part of their part of this stuff they do um so it, the, the film follows him you know tracking down people like brian adams and people like rod stewart and so on various different artists to see if they would if they'd play one of his songs um so that's it's kind of an interesting interesting little hmm. film it's worth Un, for watch unusual right. concept yes did it get yeah. anywhere well did the film get anywhere? I don't think he went to Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about Bill was that um, one of his big fans, actually, was Prince Harry. And, uh, Sorry, say that again. His, one of his big fans was Prince Harry. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, go on. Back in the day. Yeah. And um, he had a few interactions with him, actually. and uh, But one of the things I read in, uh, I remember reading in the newspaper at the time, the Daily whatever, Harry had been to watch Billy Franks at a gig at Shepherds Bush Empire. And uh, he then was uh, spotted by paparazzi heading to a bar called the Troubadour, that where you and I we, used to see, really, Billy, I actually, know yeah. it very well, yes. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, for a short period, the Faith Brothers got together again.
0: Okay. The the, the famous reunion, or infamous, or not infamous. <laughs> <laughs> at all. Maybe not. Maybe not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, no, let's be honest, the, me and many others, were re- really, you know, missed the fact that, that they were they were gone. Mm. Um, and they obviously felt that, and they, they knew that they would, would like, to, you know, a chance to, you know, at least for a short period, bring back those great memories, those great times, for us as fans, also, also for them as a band. So, you know. Um, okay. So, yeah, the, the the final thing to say, which is this is a sad ending to this story, actually, is that that Billy actually passed away um, at the age of 60 years old. So wow. he died in... in so uh, young. 2016, yeah, really, yeah. really sad. Great bloke. Um, I I, like to have regarded him as a friend, to be honest, during mm. the time that he was around, bless him. So, yeah, that's the... Uh, but that's the faith brothers for you. You anyway. mm, okay. left behind a legacy of a well. magic
0: Okay, all right, brilliant. Well, thank you, Noel. That's really, really fascinating story about um, the Faith Brothers. Um, and so, you know, for for us, um, this is our inaugural uh, podcast. So be kind to us. Um, we'll um, <laughs> as we get um, uh, as we get better along the way. I'm sure we've got uh, we've got a massive list of bands. Uh, we'll do another one in a few weeks' time where we'll start thinking about. So, if you've got an obscure '80s band that you want to listen to, um, or you want us to find out about, or you want us to talk about, or even come and talk to us about it that's also absolutely great we'd be really happy to hear from you but um hope you've enjoyed that thank you for listening and uh we'll uh, we'll see you next time thanks thank you